we need an art school, but not just like the same art school. We need one that centers us. Instead of thinking of the arts as like not academic or supplementary or special, you know, the specials, we actually center arts in everything. And so art is the, the arts and art education is essential to the learning. They are the essentials. By centering the arts, not only does it validate all of that and all these social emotional pieces, but in terms of learning, doing, taking any concept, whether it's math or literacy, taking it through a project in the arts necessitates higher order thinking skills. It necessitates that rigor piece. It necessitates things like application and synthesis. You have to apply any concept if you're taking it through a project in the arts. Welcome to the to Power of Community on the Voice of Montbello podcast. I'm your host Estrella and I'm here with Yuzo, founder of the Radical Arts Academy of Denver. Thank you for joining us today, Yuzo. Yeah, thanks Estrella. All right, so Yuzo, can you tell me a bit about about yourself? Where are you from? Uh, so I'm from here in Denver. I grew up, I, I guess, all around because so my parents were like divorced when I was probably nine. But I lived, I, I guess I read Park Hill mostly, so like the east side of Denver. Yeah. And how was growing up in like the east side like for you? Um, it was cool actually. Like back then I felt like in Park Hill there was just like a lot of kids my age. And so we could always just sort of walk to each other's houses and stuff. And there, there's always just fun stuff to do. That was dope. So you guys were just like a community all together, basically. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah. we could have like, you know, like, what is it? Water balloon fights like across like multiple blocks and stuff. And, oh, that's you know. cool. Yeah. It was like a different day too, you know, because like I'm a parent now and like just like having my kids just be out and about like by themselves, it still freaks me out. But back then it was just like totally all good, right? Because we... Yeah, like you said, like that, that community piece, we just knew everybody around, so it felt safe. Yeah, and nowadays you can't even, like, feel safe with your kids outside just because of how much things are going on in the world, and, like, you just don't know anyone. Yeah, so I really like that, and I also did some research on you, and I know you, you're studying. I don't know if you studied or you're studying at UNC Greeley. And so how's UNC Greeley like for you? Well, so currently I'm like at the very end of my doctorate there. I'm actually defending my dissertation this month. And then that's like the last thing you do. And if I get approved, then I graduate and I become a, a doctor of the arts. Um, but I'm currently not really on the campus very much anymore, just because it's, it's just been writing, you know, mm -hmm. um, and that. Mostly happens independently. But yeah, Greeley. Greeley is an interesting place. It's like uh, it's right next to like a lot of farm workers. And it's like sort of, you know, like it's it's like a city-ish, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I have a lot to say, I guess, on it. And probably for sake of time, that's, that's probably substantial. <laughs> that's sufficient. 
Yeah. Um, so do you feel like you were prepared for college or was there a, or yeah, do you feel like you were prepared for college when you first went in or no? Like academically or what? In what? Academically. Yeah, I felt, I felt prepared for college. Definitely more so in certain areas than others. I feel like the, in general, the school system kind of, well, not even kind of like extremely set me back in terms of of math and it's interesting because when I was young I think as early as fourth grade I was already so I went to this school actually I went to a private school when I was in elementary called Stanley British Primary and it's in Denver it's on the east side but anyway they let you learn at your own pace and so by fourth grade I was high school level algebra and then when I switched schools into middle school they didn't acknowledged that I was ahead and so I got put back to grade level and then by high school too I even got I should have started like I think trigonometry or calc I think my freshman year but they put me back to grade level again and then I lost interest because I had to like repeat so many years of math that I already knew so yeah I, I think the school system actually like did not set me up for college or really life in general um, as far as math is concerned well, props to you, because I could I could never be that advanced in math. So props to you for that. And also congratulations for almost finishing your college journey. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And do you think there was like a culture or like diversity shock when you first went into college? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think in a lot of levels of school, there's been uh, culture shocks. Especially, yeah, going from private to public school was like a pretty major culture shift. And like, I think in my early years, I was in schools that were predominantly white. And, and it was like, it was kind of always seen as like, you know, a, the bad kid because I'm a male of color. And then in public schools, like quite the opposite, except, well, it, it was, yeah, it was the opposite in terms of it was not predominantly white ever in any of the schools that I went but I was still, even as like half Latino, half uh, Japanese American, like uh, tended to be just like one of the 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 lowest minority, I guess, you know, um, in terms of like demographic. And so that was always interesting. But yeah, so when I entered college, I started in um, New Orleans at the Loyola at Loyola University, and so just you know being from. Denver and from Colorado and and then living in New Orleans and Louisiana and the deep south is was just a pretty major culture shock just had, had I not been in college. And then I actually ended up transferring back to University of Colorado in Boulder and that's where I ended up graduating. And that I think was the 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 widest campus actually. I think it was the second widest campus in the nation at that time. With, I, I believe Brigham Young was the only one that had a higher demographic. So that was like, yeah, quite a major culture shock as well. So, And do you think that affected your college experience or no? Yeah, for sure. In what ways? Like anyways, like being like able to like learn in that environment, basically. Was it like hard for you being, like you said, uh, it felt like you were like, a low minority right so was it like hard for you like being able to like study there or like I'd say there was kind of like a both and like there was almost a, a positive outcome 
being like so marginalized because it kind of like fueled my fire to want to study what I was studying even more out of kind of a rebellion. And so, yeah, my, my uh, minor was in ethnic studies with a focus in um, American Indian studies. And like, I mean, talk about kind of distracting as like sort of a cultural mismatch is in, in some of my classes, like there was a professor who was being kind of scrutinized publicly and we would actually have protests from the young Republicans uh, group of our class. So like during, you know, like literal class, like instruction, learning, simply just for existing, there was like barriers to, to that because um, people were protesting our class. But that, again, that to me drove, drove that passion to want to learn. And I think the ethnic studies department there is and was very strong because of that kind of demographic relationship and you know that field coming out of like a rebellion um in of the of the white supremacy culture that's maintained within higher higher academia so i also saw you were a fourth grade teacher previously and you leaned more into music teaching so what made you want to move from being a teacher to teaching music well i think teaching music is being a teacher i actually went I mean, I've been a professional artist in some form or another, but primarily in music since high school, actually, is like when we first started really playing professionally, any of us. And so when I got into teaching, it was like I, I had just kind of graduated um, with my undergrad and was like working at a guitar shop. And, you know, I was trying to make it as an artist. So I, was, I think I was in like probably four or five bands at one point at the same time and like I was acting for a theater company, Teatro, and for interactive theater. And then I was an editor of a magazine. Like I was doing, you know, as much as I could to make it as an artist and still just like struggling a lot. And uh, took a job as a before and after school teacher for like at the time DPS had the program uh, Kaleidoscope Corner. And I just turned that into like, you know, an arts-based learning kind of thing. I, 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 did, I did well beyond what like I was sort of directed that I had to do. Um, we'd, you know, the kids would write songs. We'd put on little concerts. We'd do massive uh, collaborative art pieces. Like, yeah, just cool stuff. In fact, they were, yeah, we featured that school in one of the magazines for Illiterate. But anyway, that kind of got me into education, I feel like, because I, f I, I could see how I could converge, like what I wanted to do with activism and social justice, what I wanted to do with, um, as an artist and, and like, uh, and to me, like education was that, that direct action, social justice. Um, so I think from the beginning, to get back to your question, arts were at the center of like my identity as a educator. And so when I got licensed, I started, yeah, I started as a second grader and then, a, or a second grade teacher and then a fourth grade teacher, but always wanted to, like, hope that I was teaching art, you know? And so, though I was, like, embedding a lot of arts into my teaching even back then, when a music teacher position came available, I, I went for it. And it was at a school that was in early stages, so I could, you know, develop the program from scratch and... Once I got that, you know, that's sort of where where my heart was um, 
the whole time as far as being in education. So um, my next question would be, what was your motive for building this school? And I think that might have answered it, but correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's part of it. I think as a as a music educator, as an arts educator, and seeing the like just tremendous talent of my students sort of going going to waste in a way because either the schools around them didn't offer arts or if they did, they weren't like robust programs like what we had created there. I mean, I had kids as young as second grade going on national tours. We did like West African percussion and then uh, even our dance program was aligned with that. And we had a teacher, uh, Mikey Mistis, who taught um, that traditional West African, primarily uh, Guinea, Mali style and uh, and breaking. And so we would merge that with the traditional drums that, that I was teaching um, and take that on tour. And so I guess that is all to say the level to which like this program was developed and the, the kind of talent that these students had. And so, yeah, the, some would try to apply to, there's one school in Denver public schools called DSA, the Denver School of the Arts. And, you know, it's highly competitive to get in. And demographically too, it's it's kind of a mismatch to the demographics across the district. And so the students, you know, that I would, that would audition for that school, I felt, I found uh, there it would kind of fall into a metaphysics of color. And so kind of the darker you were on the continuum, the lower your chances were to get in or feel a sense of belonging if they did. And so um, that was a big driver to being like, we need, you know, different options and options that center our cultures, our communities in the instruction. Because even at a at most schools that have kind of an arts focus, it's still very much a conservatory model. And I think what's missing from the discussion a lot of the time is how the arts still can or tend to maintain exclusionary paradigms, uh, white supremacy culture, and do it, I think, almost better than a lot of other things because it engaged the arts, you know, necessitate that emotive piece. They, they, it is an education of emotion. And so because of that emotive complexity, our investment in it becomes stronger. And so when sort of what constitutes knowledge, which is called an epistemology, when the epistemology maintains the, that white supremacy culture of Eurocentric ideology and you feel that, then it almost goes in deeper. So that was a big, another big why as to like, we need an art school, but not just like the same art school. We need one that centers us. That creates you guys and a community, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, well, Kelly would need to answer this too, but with both of you designing a new school, tell us about the school and how you are speaking to a, a new future. So, all right. So our, our model... Um, I think the innovative part of it and how it speaks to a new future is instead of thinking of the arts as like not academic or supplementary or special, you know, the specials, we actually center arts in everything. And so art is the, the arts and art education is essential to the learning. They are the essentials. And that way our curriculum 
has arts standards aligned with any other literacy or math standard. Because instead of thinking about this, and, and societally this, I think, damages us, without centering arts, we sort of invalidate it as, as something that's necessary for education. And so, you know, again, that makes us almost negate what, what makes us a third, or a third of us human, right, is emotive, intellectual, and physical, right? And so negating that education, yeah, really neglects a third of our humanity. And so by centering the arts, not only does it validate all of that and all these social-emotional pieces, but in terms of learning, doing taking any concept, whether it's math or literacy, and taking it through a project in the arts necessitates higher-order thinking skills. It necessitates that rigor piece. It necessitates things like application and synthesis because you have to apply any concept if you're taking it through a project in the arts. And so to me, that's a huge paradigm shift because then, you know, with this and with its effectiveness, then we can get back to um, education being responsive to us as humans. Yeah, I think that's a cool motive for this school. Yeah, I really like that you're you're like including art into like everything and how, you know, it, I, f- I think art like pieces us into like a person, like it makes us who we are, like our art. My other question for you is you've been on this building a school journey for a while, right? So can you tell us what like, what have you learned about yourself and schools and students along the way of building this school and the journey? I think for myself and I guess about schools is, I I guess, yeah. So I've learned that I can stretch myself much further than I, than I ever thought I could. And that, that was already a lot, but yeah, this journey has definitely pushed me much further (laughs) and much harder than I guess I ever would have imagined, you know, having to... So school leadership and especially like startup means you have to be involved not just in education and educational pedagogy, but leadership, like business studies, so like entrepreneurial studies, uh, finance, budgeting, fundraising, grant making, real estate, legal, politics. Like it's like... way too many jobs for you know, well either any of those are already like pretty hard jobs and so yeah wearing all those hats that that's a lot but it's it's ultimately super rewarding i think and i don't i don't know if this journey necessarily i learned anything new about it but probably just helped confirm it even more for me is like yeah because of students and because you know what the result of all that is just seeing people and families and getting to work and and create and always be inspired and even surprised by like all the things that that we get to create together as a product as a result of it and so it's all worth it but yeah it's definitely been it's been tough for you yeah (laughs) well I mean first off I want to say I'm very proud of you for you know building a school from scratch you know and second of all you know i just want to say like props to you like all of those jobs that you have to do you know it goes into depth and my 
not my final, but before we start the moonshot questions, I would like to ask you, how do you manage that? Like, how do you manage, like, the stress and, like, all those emotions? I think my best defenses are, like, like really sleeping a lot when I can. So, like, really relishing those moments to recover. And it's taken, like, some conditioning, actually, as far as, like, sleep deprivation to be able to just continue on for so many hours at a time. Um, I think mindfulness and meditation has really helped a lot, um, even if just for small times. And then kind of back to what we were talking about earlier is like, I think the moments where it's become the hardest and I've, I've probably had the most severe like mental health issues have been when I've kind of realized that I hadn't touched any art in you know, extended periods of time. So, you know, again, a lot of times it's easy to, to like, be like, oh, you know, that's not super important. Uh, this is what's important. And to, to cast that to the back burner. And it's the first thing to go, you know, in education and even in our professional lives, even in our lives as artists a lot of time. And when I don't have a relationship, when I haven't played my, played music or touched my instrument in, extended periods that's when I like can't do it and so that's probably been one of the best defenses is just like maintaining an, uh, a relationship with art making yeah well I'm glad you you find art as like something that helps you cope and yeah well we're gonna get into moonshot um, questions now so my course first question for you was what was the most important lesson you learned that you still carry with you today for moonshot um, like the, I'd say the power of, of community for sure. It's, it remains to be impressive. The cohorts of people and the ideas that Moonshot consistently gathers together. And yeah, it's phenomenal. And there's so many cohorts of people that I feel like I know really deeply, even though I've never met some of them. And yeah. I think that's my, my biggest takeaway is just how amazing community can be. And, and really, yeah, anytime I'm, I'm in a place where I don't have answers, I can always, we literally have like a WhatsApp and I can send like a quick message and like so many people will respond with such like on point support. And that's cool. Yeah. So you basically found friendships out of this whole fellowship, basically moonshot. I'd say it's like even more than just like friendships. It's like. It's like the convergence of friends and family and like business partners. And think of where you were when you did the Moonshot Fellowship, where you were personally and professionally. What does your Moonshot experience mean to you? So I think it turned what it turned or sorry, it turned what I thought was like a pipe dream into something that was palatable and visceral and and could be obtained and yeah it made it it made it real for me because I left uh my teaching career to to pursue this doctorate with that kind of that intention to create a school and then I found moonshot about halfway through and to be honest the doctorate wasn't going to teach me how to do this and so yeah I, I feel like moonshot facilitated that made it made it real well I'm glad moonshot was in your path and it helped you find your way yeah and describe how the moonshot community has impacted you um 
Well, just like I said before, it's like, it's, it's like more than just like homies, right? Like, uh, especially our, our cohort, we were the second cohort ever that Moonshot did it. So we were still piloting the program, I think in a lot of ways. And uh, we're fam, you know, and if any of them out there knows what FSU is, but if you see us around, we'll be like, nah. All right. Well, thank you, Yuzo, for joining us today. And it was a pleasure to have you on the show today. But before you, before we leave, I would like you to finish this sentence for me. Moonshot is a launching point. Moonshot is a launching point. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Voice of My Bella podcast. You can find our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can support our work by checking out our Instagram at Confluence Media Center. Check the link you're in about to connect with us. Be sure to rate, reviews, and follow us. Make sure you put them good. And make, make a, a donation. donation. This has been a Confluence Media production. <laughs>